Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corrine Pettit, and I'm here today with Dr. Tina Butani to talk about the incidence and impact of sleep disturbances among people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Dr. Butani is an assistant professor in the Department of Dermatology at the University of California, San Francisco as well as the director of the Dermatology Clinical Research Unit and co-director of the Psoriasis and Skin Treatment Center, where she specializes in treating those who have chronic inflammatory skin diseases such as psoriasis or eczema. As the director of the UCSF Dermatology Clinical Research Unit, Dr. Butani leads a number of clinical trials seeking to improve quality of life and discover how to disrupt the cycle of disease flare-up associated with inflammatory skin diseases. One such clinical trial is looking at factors that affect sleep quality and quantity among people with psoriatic disease. Well, welcome, Dr. Butani. It's nice to have you back on SoundBites. Thank you for being here today to talk about the impact of sleep, which really is essential for overall health. About one-third of adults overall have inadequate sleep, and it's becoming more common. Why do you think that is, and can you please address the prevalence of sleep dysfunction among people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis compared to the general population? That's a great question. Well, the reason why we're getting less sleep, I think, is probably multifactorial. One thing is, is that for many, many years, I don't think that our society had this appreciation for sleep and the benefits of good sleep and the consequences of poor sleep. And so now that we have this field of sleep medicine and we have a lot of sleep research going on, I think we're beginning to appreciate sleep a lot more. And I think that's what has led to this discovery that people just aren't sleeping. (laughs) The industrial revolution, following all of that, the thought was always, I'll sleep when I'm dead or try to work as much as possible. But we're learning now that that is not the right thing to do. As far as the prevalence of sleep dysfunction among people with psoriasis, there's been a few different studies and the numbers vary widely. But what we can say pretty confidently is that patients with psoriasis are sleeping less and not sleeping as well as patients without psoriasis. Some studies quote numbers close to about 50% of patients. Other studies are even higher, saying that maybe up to even 80-85% of patients may have some sleep dysfunction. Probably the biggest study that's been done was a study that we did here at our center using the citizen scientist data set with the National Psoriasis Foundation. And in that study, we found that about 60%, almost 58% of patients reported some type of sleep disturbance. So definitely a, a high proportion. And in the general population, we think that it's probably closer to about 20 to 30%. So there's definitely a difference there. Yeah, that's absolutely significant. So what do you feel are there potential causes for sleep dysfunction in people with psoriatic disease? I think the most obvious thing that people think about are the symptoms that are associated with psoriasis. So, you know, the itch, the pain of having psoriatic arthritis, that those things might get worse in the middle of the night and that that awakens people from sleep. And I think that's definitely a contributing factor. But what we're learning is that even despite that, even when patients don't have symptoms, they might not be sleeping as well. 
recent study was just published where they looked at patients with uh, many cutaneous disorders, not just psoriasis, but many cutaneous disorders. And after controlling for physical symptoms like itch and pain, they still had a statistically significantly higher rate of sleep disturbance compared to healthy control. So it's now actually also been proven. We know that an overactive immune system can actually lead to sleep disturbance and kind of impact sleep cycles. So my thought is that is probably what's going on since we know that psoriasis is an immune-mediated disease. But I think we still have a lot to learn about why patients with psoriasis aren't sleeping well. That's fascinating. I didn't know that before. So let's talk about the types of sleep disorders or dysfunctions that occur. How does insomnia, which is one of the more common sleep disorders, differ from sleep apnea? That's a great question. So insomnia is kind of like a catch-all term, but basically the official definition is the condition where patients are having difficulty sleeping. And this can either be trouble falling asleep or they're awakening inappropriately during the night. Sleep apnea, on the other hand, is a condition where patients their breathing gets disturbed during sleep and it causes the patients to wake up because they can't breathe and they wake up kind of choking or gasping. And because of that, they get poor quality sleep. There's actually two types of sleep apnea, but the one that appears more relevant for patients with psoriasis is what we call obstructive sleep apnea. And it's actually a physical condition that causes airflow blockage that leads to the symptoms. So insomnia, like I said, is just kind of a general term, but sleep apnea is an actual definitive diagnosis. Okay. And what is parasomnia? I haven't heard of that before. Parasomnia is a term that's used to describe unusual behaviors that people experience either just before falling asleep or while they're sleeping or even as they wake up. And there are many different types of parasomnias. There's actually a whole wide list of them. But I think the ones that's more common that people might recognize include sleepwalking disorder or night terrors, nightmare disorder, even nighttime teeth grinding is on the list of parasomnias. Those are some examples of parasomnias. Have you noticed if any one type of sleep disorder is more prevalent among people with psoriatic disease? We're learning now that insomnia is probably more prevalent in psoriatic disease. Sleep apnea, for sure. There's multiple studies that show an association between sleep apnea and psoriasis. So we know that psoriasis patients are at greater odds, probably more than double the odds of getting sleep apnea versus someone without psoriasis. So there's definitely an association there. I'm not sure if the data about psoriasis and the parasomnias, I'm just not aware if there is a higher prevalence as far as they go. And so why is poor sleep of such concern for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis? Furthermore, what's the potential impact on overall health? That's a great question. So poor sleep is a concern for patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, much in the way that it's a concern for somebody without psoriasis. First of all, lack of sleep causes fatigue and daytime sleepiness. People may not be able to function well. We know that people who aren't sleeping well are more at risk for getting into motor vehicle accidents and having other types of accidents. We also know that people who don't get adequate sleep have a really hard time with like consolidating memories and good cognitive functioning. And so I think that's important for everyone overall, not just people with psoriasis. And people with psoriasis, there's this additional layer because like I mentioned before, there is this crosstalk probably that happens between sleep and the immune system. Sleep is probably critical and necessary for resetting the immune system and for correcting things that might be going wrong with the immune system. And so when patients aren't sleeping, they're more prone to having immune dysfunction. We know that our patients with psoriasis already have some level of immune dysfunction, and it's possible that this lack of sleep further is making that worse. 
And so that's why I think that for patients with psoriasis, it's very important to focus on sleep. Lastly, as far as what's the potential impact on overall health, we know that sleep disturbance alone, so even without psoriasis, puts people at increased risk for things like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancers, and the such. And and we know that psoriasis patients are already at increased risk for those things. We talk a lot about the comorbidities that are associated with psoriasis. So again, adding to this burden, be this lack of sleep, I think it's very possible. That makes sense, which makes me really excited to talk about your research around sleep disorders and psoriatic disease. So how is the study designed and what were you hoping to find? And furthermore, what conclusions can be drawn to date? Yeah, we're very excited. This is a study that I've been designing and planning for a really long time. I'm working with two of our prominent sleep researchers here at UCSF, Eric Prather and Andrew Crystal. They run our sleep lab here. And also my colleague, Wilson Liao, who's going to be doing some in-depth kind of genetic and molecular analyses along with the study. The goal of this first study is to determine what is different about a psoriasis patient's sleep compared to somebody without psoriasis. So like I said, we know psoriasis patients are sleeping less, but we don't know what that actually means. Like, are they taking longer to fall asleep? Are they waking up earlier? Are they waking up multiple times in the middle of the night? Nobody has actually taken psoriasis patients and put them in a sleep lab and kind of tracked their sleep over a period of time. So that's what our goal is. We're trying to find out not only if they're sleeping less, but how they're sleeping less. We're going to characterize that a little bit more. We're also going to really take a deep dive and look into things like their sleep cycles something called REM sleep, which happens, which is probably the time during the night when we're dreaming and we're a little bit more active. And then there's periods called non-REM and periods called slow wave sleep, which we think are critical for like the immune functioning and the um, health consequences that are related to lack of sleep. So we're going to really look at those type of things, like how much slow wave sleep are these psoriasis patients getting? How much REM sleep are they normally cycling through these different cycles or do their cycles look different than somebody without psoriasis? So I think that's going to really give us some more information, some really hard data showing us how these patients are sleeping differently. We're going to be drawing blood. So we're also going to be looking at their immune system and immune markers and also their genetics and see if there's any correlates that we can make between their genes and the way they're sleeping. And do you have any tips for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis who may be experiencing sleep disorders? Yes, absolutely. Don't forget to talk about it with your doctor. I'm definitely making a push <laughs> to remind doctors to ask their patients about sleep. But I think that, you know, it's very important to talk to your doctors about sleep because there are things that can be done. Let's say, you know, you're trying to get more sleep and it's just really hard to do and you've, you've been unsuccessful. There are interventions that can help. I think another thing, and this is something that my colleague, Dr. Prather, the sleep researcher always talks about, is that we really need to prioritize sleep. Sleep shouldn't be something that happens after everything else is done. That's not how we should think about sleep. We should really stop everything else in order to get enough sleep. So I think that prioritizing sleep is definitely high up on the list of things that patients can do. We should try to get at least seven hours of sleep. Most studies and the American Academy of Sleep Medicine recommends seven hours as being like that magic number where below that we start to see the problems associated with sleep disturbance. So seven hours of sleep is a good marker to shoot for. And could lifestyle changes be helpful if needed? Yeah. 
maintaining physical activity is really important. We know that if you're exercising regularly and on days that people exercise, they tend to sleep better. They tend to get more slow wave sleep and have more continuous sleep cycles. So definitely staying active is good. You want to be careful though, because you don't want to exercise right before you go to sleep because that can actually have the opposite effect because it can kind of, you know, wake you up and jolt your brain. And so you want to make sure that you have a period of like a break between when you're exercising and when you're sleeping. But keeping that main fat routine is really important. Decreasing caffeine use and alcohol use later in the day is also something that we usually recommend just because both of those things can, again, make people a little bit more alert and they can change the cycles of sleep. And so we just want to be one to be careful with those. Unplugging two hours before bedtime. I know people have heard this a lot screens and lowering usage of things with blue light in them. And so I always recommend patients to try to, as much as possible, decrease their screen use right before bed, although it's, you know, definitely harder to do. Great. And what about like sleep aids such as melatonin or over-the-counter? Are those recommended? It's pretty controversial. I think there's there's some people out there that feel that melatonin is helpful or these natural supplements are helpful, but then there's also a lot of research to show that they probably don't do all that much. So at this point, if patients are really struggling, I might recommend them because most of them are benign and don't have too many side effects related to them. So I always think it's worth a try. But usually if we need help with sleep, we usually have to use some prescription sleep aids, which is why I recommend people talking to their doctors about it. Oh, perfect. So in closing, what's the most important message you would like to pass along to our listeners about sleep disorders, psoriasis, and psoriatic arthritis? So I definitely think that there is impact of sleep on your disease, on psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. I hope to figure that out and to provide you more information in the coming years about what kind of an impact it's making. But again, as I've already said, I think making sleep a priority is the most important thing that you can do at this point. Well, thank you, Dr. Butani, for all the information you provided about sleep disorders and the relationship between psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We appreciate your time today and look forward to hearing more about your research. Thank you. And for our listeners, if you would like to learn more tips on how to improve your sleep, request a healthy sleep guide from the Patient Navigation Center. Request your guide at psoriasis.org forward slash healthy hyphen sleep hyphen guide or call 1-800-723-9166 option one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.